Hi there, I'm recovering DIY musician Burn Bridges, and welcome to This Song Ruined My Life, where I sit down with friends old and new to discuss songs, bands, and other musical phenomena that have taken over our singular or collective worlds. Today I drink a whiskey drink, drink a vodka drink, drink a lager drink, drink a cider drink, all metaphorical of course, talk some musical conspiracy theories, and play some games with my guest. It's the Chumba Wumba episode. It's Chumba, it's Chumba, it's, it's, it's Chumba Wumba. Welcome to this episode of This Song Ruined My Life, the podcast my neighbor says she stops halfway through because there's too many confusing references to musicians nobody cares about. My guest today is an amateur foosball manager and a three-time recipient of the semi-national ski-ball championship from Strange Talk on Radio Artifact. It's Alex. Hello, Alex. Hello, hello. You just made me want to play uh, ski-ball. Have you ever played ski-ball? I I actually do enjoy skee-ball. What's your favorite thing about skee-ball? Uh, I think the chaotic nature of the game. Well, I guess it's not chaotic for some people, but the way I play it is pretty chaotic, where it's just throw as many mm-hmm. of them as fast as you can. Like a two-armed approach? Uh, no, still, <laughs> still one-handed. It's just, you know, like, as it returns the balls to you, you just grab them and keep relaunching them as fast as you can. There's no like meticulous aiming. No, no, it's just it's pure chance. Just throw it. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend the, playing it that way, but how's daylight savings time been treating you? Uh, honestly, I have been so tired. Um, I don't know about you, but I five o'clock, the sun goes down, and I immediately want to go to bed. There is no oh, I want to do a few things. It's I could go to bed right now. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, th- th- that pool is interesting because I find that, uh, like the day before, it's, the time switch happens. Mm-hmm. It's already getting dark pretty early, but I don't feel that like sudden onset. Like I didn't feel that tired at like six mm-hmm. the day before, but there's something. There's something almost cosmic about that switch where then it's just like, yeah, like I've. I could have gone to sleep before 30, like the past <laughs> week. I've, yeah. I feel like, exa- I, I feel terrible to be, I feel terrible right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm ready to sleep at any given moment the last three days. <laughs> do you know any good, um, and I don't, so I'm relying on you here. <laughs> do you know, do you know any good, um, conspiracy theories regarding, um, daylight savings time? Oh, there's totally a conspiracy theory about, like, um, the reason that we have daylight savings time is, like, to keep us controlled and all that because it keeps us tired, um, which I, who knows if it's a conspiracy or they're not, and all conspiracy theories are all about, you know, controlling the masses and replacing, you know, pop stars with lookalikes for fun. Yeah, it wasn't as wacky as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I was... I I would hope there. Would, I'm sure there is a wackier one out there. We'll have to do some research sometime. <laughs> my my uh, my favorite conspiracy theory was uh, the Beatles never existed. <laughs> Were you ever privy to that one? Uh, no, I don't think I've heard that one. 
The website doesn't exist anymore, but if, <sighs> if you can uh, ever take the Wayback Machine um, to, you know, the Wayback Machine? Yeah. If you ever take the Wayback Machine back to um, Beatles Never Existed, it's a pretty good. I will, I will have to go it's down a pretty good ride. that rabbit hole. Ride. I think my favorite conspiracy theory is this one guy in Florida is convinced that um, the guy that killed John Lennon was actually Stephen King. And his entire reasoning is just that he kind of looks like Stephen King. So that means Stephen King must have done it. All right. So getting into our uh, bread and soy butter today. I want to ask you a question, Alex. Yes. Who is Chumbawamba? So, Chumbawamba, I'm pretty sure almost everybody knows them as, you know, that one-hit wonder that did the song Tub Thumping. Most people have heard it at a bar. You get knocked down, you get back up again. But who Chumbawamba really is, is they are a British anarchist band. And no one ever seems to know that because they're known for tub thumping. Uh, you want to hum a line for those who don't know know the name tub thumping? Uh, you know, you get a whiskey drink, you get a lager drink, you get a cider drink. You know, you sing the songs yeah. that remind you of the good times, sing the song that reminds you of the best times. You get knocked down. <laughs> You're never going to keep them down. You've seen it at a minor league baseball. You've heard it at a minor league baseball game for sure. Oh, absolutely. Or if, like me, you grew up in the 90s, you heard it, like, every day on the radio. It was probably my favorite yes. song when I was a kid. Um, the yeah. radio edit um, had the backing vocals as Dancing the Night Away, but the actual vocals in the background are Pissing the Night Away. That was a fun learn as I uh, got older. Right. That's, like, when you get the CD mm -hmm. with the parental advisory. <laughs> with and the... it's not the same songs. <laughs> yeah. Which the, the, radio. <laughs> the album cover for that album is kind of scary. It's like this mm -hmm. neon green background and then like a floating purple baby that is just kind of terrifying looking. So, yeah, tub thumping is is uh, kind of would, would, would it be egregious to say like a, a kind of electro pop feeling? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that's right. It's very it's very dancey. It's got some horns. Um it's definitely like I would definitely say you definitely hear it at sporting events because the whole line you, you get knocked down, you get back up again. It's kind of a like a yeah, just a get back up again kind of anthem. And and is it fair to assume that that was your introduction to Chumbawamba? Yes, it was definitely the first song I ever heard by them. It was on the radio all the time when I was a kid. I honestly don't really know how I found them again as I got older. I think I just. I think I owned that album, and as I started listening to the rest of the album, I was like, wait a minute, what is? what are these other songs? And as I dug further into that, I was like, hold on, what they're talking about is way more intense than this one song that they're known for. And um, and I, I, I have some cursory knowledge of Chumbawamba, and also this podcast is where I talk to people who have actual knowledge, and I read from the Wikipedia article. <laughs> um, Honestly... <laughs> that's, that's that's their Wikipedia article is honestly like pretty well written. Like whoever was editing that did their research. 
Wikipedia is very good. If you want to donate to Wikipedia, you should donate to Wikipedia. Yeah. That's, that's my PSA. Yeah. Um, but the but they're um, they they were formed in 1982 mm-hmm. in tub thumping and tub is the album is tub thumper right? Yes. Yeah, that's the yeah. album. And so, yeah, and their first album came out in '86. Mm-hmm. Usually, it's a while from forming to your first record, but like so that's. It's their goodness. Uh, it's listed as their eighth record. Yeah, they so they were a band for fifteen years before they released yeah. their single "Tub Thumping" that really kind of took off for them. Um, so that's why it's kind of funny that everyone knows them as this one-hit wonder when they were a band for fifteen years before that song, and they were a band for like it was a while after that song because they didn't disband till like twenty. 2010s, something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, that that song was kind of written sort of at their apex, um, which is pretty cool. Because uh, I feel like a lot of bands, they like they have their like big song early on, and then like it just kind of like filters off after that. There's like is kind of just like a it's kind of a bell curve. But it's their mo- it's their it was it their most notable financial success probably mm-hmm. or or uh, commercial success both yeah both yeah. Um, which I mean that's kind of the other thing that's kind of wild about them to me is they are such a like they're focused on class struggles and they are such a like they describe themselves as anarcho communist and so they have these really heavy heavy songs. That were gaining some success, but not the level of success that Tub Thumping did kind of gather, um, which that song is just about, you know, a night out drinking with your friends. My my understanding was always it was kind of, as is often the case in these sort of weird one-hit wonders, was kind of kind of taking the piss. Yeah, I mean. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was kind of um, uh, an in, 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 in intentional disembark from, you know, the music they would normally do it, it yes and no so that's kind of the funny thing about them as well is if you look cause listen to their really like because i would i would call them like a at their heart they're like kind of one of i would say one of the punkest bands there are partially because they did whatever they wanted so their sound is all over their place they're really early albums it's all like it all sounds very like traditional punk rock but then, like, they have one album that's just all old, like, uh, English, um, old English, like, protest songs, and, uh, what is the title of that one? I'm blanking on it right now. Uh, the, uh, all of English the, Rebel songs? Yes. Yeah. 1381 through 1984? Yeah, and so that's all Wikipedia. just... Wikipedia. Wikipedia, yeah. Uh, so everything in there, it's it's all revolutionary acapella, like, protest songs from English history. And then, you know, the album that they did right after that is literally called Anarchy. Um, and that one has, like, a bunch of dance music uh, mixed with rock. Um, you know, I, I, I was reading an interview that they did um, way later, too, where they were talking about um, they did a lot of dance music like that. And it's really funny because they're from the UK. And when they were touring in the US, like 
people would kind of make fun of them like oh they're playing disco music but in the uk disco music kind of was it kind of was the anti-established music in the uk but in the u.s they were like oh you're playing music like the Bee Gees." <laughs> and that's a great tie-in because uh on episode one of this podcast martin and i talked a little bit about how disco and punk kind of both came up as alternative culture at the same time yes Um, but over but over time disco gets kind of rewritten as if it was always mainstream Mm -hmm. um with with sort of um (laughs) no no sort of like uh, face value understanding of like well this is where the queer people were as well this is where the uh people who weren't white who were making alternative music were in the disco scene. So there's mm-hmm. a little bit, a little, little bit of erasure that happens with, with disco. Absolutely. Um, yes. That, that I find that I find that to be, you know, I, I didn't expect that to come up with Chumbawamba, but I'm <laughs> that it, <laughs> actually that, that was, that it does. I, cause I listened to that episode, um, before, uh, we recorded this, which by the way, I loved that because I have actually just recently been getting into shellac, and I ran into a lot of the same. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. What was that? Oh, I said, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Well, I was saying, I, in I ran into some of the same issues you all did, uh, where I was like, these lyrics are kind of not it. <laughs> I don't think he needs to be writing some of these things that he's writing. But it mm-hmm. sucks because it's like, I like the music. I just wish that some of it did not have lyrics. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or different lyrics. It yeah. just needed. It just needed to be about. Yeah, it just need, needed to be about nothing. Yeah, probably. But um, and well, circling back, that's kind of what I like about Chumbawamba is they're not afraid for their music to be really heavy or for it to be about absolutely nothing. Because tump thumping, what does that mean? Who knows? Chumbawamba, what does that mean? Apparently, that was just like one of the band members had a dream. Um about gender confusion and that's where the name of the band came from just chumbawamba was something in his dream <laughs> that's pretty good is 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 the um weird baby on the cover of chumbawamba the weird pink baby with two large teeth <laughs> is that a chumbawamba or a tub thumper uh that's the cover for uh tub thumper so that is a tub thumper, though. I'm going to decide that it is a tub thumper because I haven't okay. heard any decision from them on whether it is or not. So I'm going to go with yes until proven otherwise. Right. You're the authority. <laughs> I am now. <laughs> and and where does the tub thumper live? Well, I like to think that their album covers tell a story because the album cover for uh, Anarchy is like an actual baby being born. Um, mm-hmm. And actually... Related to that, because they used to tell people that um, the baby being born, they would kind of joke and say that it was um, uh, Dan Burt Nobicon. They used to tell them that it was him being born. So I'd like to think that maybe that is the story that's being told is um, him being born, having his dream where the word Chumbawamba comes from and then becomes the tub thumper. But that's what I'm choosing to believe. Great, great mythology. 
I don't know that they intended for there to be a mythology, but I'm choosing for there to be because I just think it's fun. When you close your eyes and you think about... Well, let, let, let's do this in two different ways. Close your eyes and you think about tub thumping. Mm-hmm. The song. Um, and you think back to... When you're first hearing it, early times you're hearing it, what sort of, like, what senses come to mind? What sort of, like, sensory stimuli come to mind when when you think of that song? When I think of that song, I very clearly remember riding in the backseat of my mom's old Honda Civic. Uh, The windows were down. That car got totaled in a car crash later, so... I had to have been like five at the time. So I was like really young, but I remember listening to that with the windows rolled down and just sort of the wind blowing by. And I, my favorite part was the horns. What about the horns? I just really enjoyed that. There was not a lot of music at the time that had horns in it like that. Uh, the only other song I could think of around that time that had horns like that was OMC's how bizarre. I kind of liked in the 90s where a lot of bands were kind of playing around with what instrumentation they were using. Like there was a lot of harmonica going on at the time. And I just I really liked anything that had different than normal sounds for being a child. (laughs) Kind of one of the other things that I appreciate about them is like their willingness to just kind of add whatever instruments, but also like whatever people. If you look at who has been in the band, there's like a timeline and it is pure chaos because like at times there were like 10 people in the band. Sometimes there weren't, there's like accordion, there's flute. Sometimes it's acapella. It's just all over the place. Yeah. What do you know about their formation as a band? Like were they a friend group yeah, so they, yeah. they they were kind of a friend group. Um, so kind of early on when they formed, I know that they were all, um, like some of them were busking and eventually they started squatting in this house. Um, and I think the house was in Leeds, if I'm right. Um, and so while they were there, kind of anyone who would move into the house would just kind of join the band it didn't really matter if they were like knew how to play music or could sing. They would just be like, Oh, can you sing it all? And they'd be like, no. And they'd be like, well, I'll try it anyway. And then they'd just be part of the band. So they like, they didn't call it a commune, but they were kind of a commune. That's a, that's the best kind of commune. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I, I, I always like that kind of collective sense mm-hmm. with a band. Yeah, and I think that kind of, that is part of why, you know, they're so willing to try so many different things is like, they were like, anyone can just be in the band. Just pop on by, you're in the band now. <laughs> is there is there a moment of Chumbawamba that you feel like you identify the most as, as Chumbawamba besides Tub Thumper, like that album? Or to put it a different way, is there like, a different album or era that you would say this is the, this is like the definitive Chumbawamba for me. I feel like for me, it's definitely their anarchy album. 
Uh, it does have like some of their earlier punk stuff in there. It does have some acapella in there, but it still does have that like kind of dancey pop um, that they became more known for later as well. So I kind of like that one because it's got a little bit of everything that they do. I feel like it's a really good starting place to kind of try to get into some of their other stuff. Um, yeah. There's just a lot of good tracks on that album, too. Um, it has one of my favorite songs on there, um, Homophobia, which unsurprisingly is about homophobia in the UK. Um, mm-hmm. So if you're going to listen to that, be, be prepared because it's bleak. But I, I really enjoy it because a lot of people weren't talking about that stuff at the time. They, they always seem to be like a real band, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh, of, of more the the you know it could be like punk punk or whatever but like the 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 type of band that, that they were actually kind of uh, whatever they were saying or whatever they were making they were doing it because they felt some sort of impulse to or reaction uh to to do such yeah um, and whatever it, it, like like of of their environment as opposed to of of some sort of um concoction in order to like make you know less making music and more more just sort of being music they always seem to like to have that sort of um feel and almost in sort of for me in my brain kind of in an overwhelming sense where um you know get get getting into a band like i don't know 30 30 albums in or whatever <laughs> um i don't know what i would have but i definitely it definitely wasn't like in 97 when i was 8 that mm-hmm. I was like <laughs> trying to <laughs> look into this band. Like they, yeah. they definitely had 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 a few albums since then. So we're probably in like eleven or twelve. Mm-hmm. Um. So so, but they always seem to have this this sense where they um. Were were trying to say something real, and and particularly the English Rebel song sounds um. Like something I would like to visit yeah it's it's honestly it's really cool that they had a lot of songs that were about like miners strikes and stuff like that um they had a lot of songs about anti-fascism they have a whole ep that is sort of sarcastically dedicated to margaret thatcher because they hated her yeah well i feel like everyone everyone should hate her but you know everyone certainly could <laughs> kind of to your point about like how they they always definitely had something to say they have the um, the Guinness World Record for longest album title. It's shortened to the boy bands have won. Uh, I can try to read the whole thing if you want, but the whole title is basically how um, boy bands kind of, well, sort of the whole music structure and record labels kind of destroyed music in some ways. But it just gets shortened. Do the boy bands have one? Do you want to take a stab at reciting the album? All right, I'm gonna try to read this. It's a really hard to read font on there because it's really ti- tiny. And for those who can't see or are listening, it's like it's kind of like it almost looks kind of like um, a poster you'd see at like a doctor's office or something. <laughs> um, and there's like one very specific font. Um, and this entire title is written with um, each word in a different color, kind of alternating. Um, so it's it's a pretty, uh, yeah, it's kind of a disorienting image. Yeah, and there's not 
punctuation in there really either. So a couple commas. <laughs> I'm going to read this as best as I can. I might stop when Go I'm like, it. where are the pauses? So the full title is the boy bands have won and all the copyists and the tribute bands and the TV talent show producers have won. If we allow our culture to be shaped by mimicry, whether we lack of ideas or from exaggerated respect, you should never try to freeze culture. What you can do is recycle that culture. Take your older brother's hand-me-down jacket and restyle it. Refashion it to the point where it becomes your own. But don't just regurgitate creative history or hold art and music and literature as fixed, untouchable, and kept under glass. The people who try to guard any particular form of music are, like the copyist and manufactured bands, doing it the worst disservice. Because the only thing that you can do to music that will damage it is not change it, not make it your own. Because then it dies, then it's over, then it's done, and the boy bands have won. Awesome. Yeah, I got through it that time. I tried to read that before and I kept stumbling because I was like, there's too many words here. <laughs> kind of playing, playing off that and kind of the obvious sort of anti-industry statement. Do you feel do you feel it's possible that there are a lot of people who may have gotten into this band, followed this band, but but didn't but because of tub thumping? <laughs> there definitely are. Uh I, I don't know how long those people would stick around because there is a lot of a cappella music and like folk style old English songs and stuff. So I don't know how long those people right. would continue to be into it, but I mean, that's how I found them was through tub thumping. Yeah. I was just thinking about how like the sort of like the moment of that song feels like the, the moment of that song is very much, you know, people sort of mindlessly singing it when they're drunk. Yeah. <laughs> um, and is kind of, I think potentially a turnoff for, you know, a, a lot of people I think associate um, creative thinking with sort of um, less uh, less melody heavy or less like pop friendly music, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which I think hopefully by twenty twenty three we can kind of see that you know the sonic and the political palette can be different things or they can be interplayed with each other a little bit more. But um, yeah, I just find it interesting to sort of read along with you on that statement. And think about how, like, probably a lot of people, it doesn't seem like, you know, looking at labels and stuff, it it doesn't seem like they probably made an overwhelming amount of money or anything from that single, um, Mm -mm. personally. But but, um, but it does kind of, I feel like the moment of top thumping feels a, a little... A, a little ironic, like, uh, w- when balanced against that kind of uh, more anti-industry philosophy. Mm-hmm. Which is the same as, like, Nirvana and all that. You know, I feel like that was very, very 90s because they were yeah. plucking, <laughs> plucking people out of these scenes, right? Mm-hmm. To, so there was, there was a lot of that happening. But I do think... Um, when you when you look through Chumbawamba's stuff, and when you, as you're guiding me through it, it sounds like uh, there's some pretty pretty authentic stuff. Uh, and there there does seem to be re- really authentic stuff in there, actually. So yeah, I think it could be it could be a a, a, a red herring. I think the the way they worded it, because like I said, they did an interview like 40 years after they 
um, became a band and long after they'd broken up. And the way that they had like kind of phrased it was like they were on a major label and they were part of the mainstream. And they were like, I guess you could accuse us of selling out, but they phrased it as we weren't bought up, though. Because they sure. they did make that money, but they didn't change anything that they said because of it. Uh, I think part of that was because they did have a community and there was so many of them that they could kind of back each other up. Yeah, th- I think the other really cool thing is, too, um, from reading that interview, apparently they're all still friends. Yeah, that's that's an accomplishment. Yeah, when they kind of decided to disband, um, it wasn't that they didn't get along anymore. They just they were done with doing that. They're all still friends, though. Um, they were just done with doing that one thing. Um they still hang out it sounds like and i would say that that's like if nothing else they got that out of it you know to to quit while it feels good is is a luxury so yeah anytime you can do that i definitely agree with that and it's way better than just continuing to do it when your heart is just not in it Mm -hmm. and if anything for them i would say that they are just full of heart awesome well is there anything else before we play our game that uh, you'd like to impart about Chumbawamba uh, I think just yeah my thing is I like to call them my favorite punk band and then people get confused so <laughs> it's a fun game you can play with your friends and go Chumbawamba's good no really I promise check them out <laughs> yeah and i feel i feel like that is like i feel like that's entered into the lore of alternative music but um i haven't spoken with too many people who i think have have uh slid down the rabbit hole as much and so i've enjoyed i've enjoyed hearing the you know the punk stuff i knew about the the um um, kind of uh, union songs ish component mm-hmm. um, is not you know the 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 anarcho communist component and um, and how deep deep that went for them wasn't something that like I knew they were anarcho communists but I didn't know that artistically they kind of endeavored that way as well which makes sense but I find out to be and I often as, as I'm you know, uh, getting older and older every year as people do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm finding that kind of element of alternative culture a, a, a little bit more interesting than like the, the folk song component and mm-hmm. the, the sort of like, well, what were, you know, what were weird punks in, in the 1400s? What were, <laughs> <laughs> you know, how has, how has sort of being, an insurgent to some degree. Um, yeah, there's and, and, and other in some degree been represented in history. I find to be very interesting. So there's always going to be something to rebel against. That's a good. That's a good quote. That <laughs> quote to end on for that section. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to play a game called BlandCamp.com. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of The Song Ruined My Life. 
While music has the power to change worlds, this is ultimately a trite podcast about trite things. As such, I'd like to take a moment each episode to encourage any listeners to tune their ears into some of the hard work folks are doing to make our tough world a little gentler. The war in Gaza continues to wreak havoc on the lives of civilians and humanitarians alike. The United Nations General Assembly has adopted a major resolution on the Gaza crisis calling for an immediate, durable, and sustained humanitarian truce leading to a cessation of hostilities. Here are a couple independent organizations that could use your support. Eye on Palestine creates freelance journalism and profit-free activism and is a good source of information. Just a warning that the content can be understandably graphic. You can find them on Instagram, Facebook, X, Telegram, and Threads by searching I on Palestine, that's E-Y-E on Palestine. And you can support them at patreon.com slash I on Palestine. Sulala Animal Rescue is an organization in the Gaza Strip that helps stray animals. You can find them on Instagram with the handle at Sulala Animal Rescue, that's S-U-L-A-L-A, Sulala. And you can support them on PayPal with the handle at Help Street Animals. Please take a moment to pause this podcast and give these organizations a quick follow. And maybe even throw them a buck. Okay, we're back. Alex? Yes. Thank you for being here. Are you ready to play a game? Yes. (laughs) Okay. The game is called BlandCamp.com. It's where uh, I do the most work I do on the entire podcast. (laughs) And I take a... uh, what I find to be a lackluster um, biography of a band, of a real band, off of Bandcamp, um, and I've turned it into a Mad Lib. And so I'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be great. I'm going um, to try to bounce around so you can't guess the order uh, of things. So um, if you could give me a common phrase. A common phrase. As soon as you said that, all of them went out of my head. We can circle around to it. Okay. Get, I'll think give on me it. a verb. A verb. Running. Cool. And you can just give me the most simple um, Yeah, the simple. And I will. Okay. And, you know, like you could give me run. And I'll, I'll, um, I'll do the hard grammar. The That's conjugating it? <laughs> the conjugating. Can you, can you tell that... The parts of the, the sentence were not my strong suit in school. <laughs> um, how are you with colors? Give me two, two color names. Uh, I'm going to go with chartreuse. And yellow. Interesting. All right. How do you feel about an adjective? Jaunty. And another adjective. Uh, let's go with tall. What was that? Tall. Tall with a T? Yes, tall with a T. Cool. Great. I thought you said Paul, <laughs> which is not an adjective I know. Um, but I didn't want to it, it assume that become an adjective. Yeah, it's very, very Paul of you. 
Um, a noun. Give, give me just a regular old noun. A noun. A regular old noun. Let's go with chalice. Uh, give me an adverb. An adverb describes a verb. Uh, the L-Y one. Yeah, that's why I always I always say that. <laughs> we did Mad Libs recently on um, an episode of the radio show, and um, I had to keep explaining what an adverb was every time because we would get stuck, and that's why I immediately had that reaction. <laughs> so I'm going to go with wildly. All right. Uh, gi- give me just like... Give me a couple adjectives with a little bit of a space between each one. Spacey. Spacey? Spacey, like space, like going to space. Spacey, okay. Another one. Tangy. Another one. And an adjective, another adjective. Um... Lanky. And I think I have a saying now, too. Okay, give me a saying. I got wild goose chase. And let's see. Give me another, give me a plural noun. A plural noun. Dogs. Give me a verb. Sprang. Like sprang into action. All right, another adjective. Another adjective. Um, wiggly. Another plural noun. Uh, banjos. Uh, another plural noun. Boots. Uh, give me the name of a corporation. It's the first one that comes to mind. Disney. <laughs> That they're doing their job right, I guess. Um, yeah. And give me let's let's see how do I ask this one? Give me like um, an example of like an a concept or an ideal. A concept or an ideal. Like yeah, like a theory or you know. Like, for instance, com- anarcho-communism, I feel like, would be... Okay, yeah, that's like a concept or an ideal. Um, I'm going to go with... Um, nihilism seems a little too obvious. Let's go with um, optimism. Let's go with the opposite of that. I have I'm going to f- write... Just type down, nihilism seems a little bit too obvious, because <laughs> I like that just as a quote, so... <laughs> Who knows? Maybe that's the episode title. Could be. <laughs> um, okay. Here we go. Mad Libs take a long time. They do. Um, Chartreuse Yellow return with Wild Goose Chase, their first album in nine years. It's title a nod to the often sacred communal ritual of running a phallus with those you love. This spacey, wild-crafted album appropriately serves an expression of persistent optimism, a testament to the unique, eternal Paul Chartreuse Yellow have refined over their three-decade existence. Jaunty yet tall melodies charge each song, creating a foil to lyrics about the inescapable boots of communication breakdown and enduring dogs, springing which way to turn, holding onto your banjos. Ultimately, Wild Goose Chase lands is perhaps the lankiest record in the catalog that's already as wiggly as it is tangy. 
Chartreuse Yellow's Wild Goose Chase is out on September 29, 2023 on Disney Records. <laughs> so there you go. You know, other than being released by Disney Records, uh, that does sound like <laughs> that does sound like something you would read for a band bio. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and Disney Records is, pro- you know, they just call it something different. <laughs> they just own several other record companies, so. Um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, there's definitely some seminal indie rock on, on Disney Records. <laughs> uh, if you had to guess what band, do you, it's a recent release. It's a recent release, but not a new band, so they give some hints. What band do you think uh oh that original bio is for is it like more of a local band absolutely not okay hmm this is disney records it's disney records that's right (laughs) i'm trying to think of anybody who released anything recently but i shouldn't think about the time I should think about how it's been described. Yeah, you do know it did come out on September 29th, <laughs> so that that is not a lie. Ah. Uh, so it's like a brand new album. I feel like I have not kept up with any music that's come out recently because I've been listening to mostly 90s music. Mostly Chumbawamba. Mostly Chumbawamba today. Because <laughs> I had to make sure I was in the, the tub-thumping mindset. I'm, my first guess is I really wanted to say Lung, and that's why I asked if it was a local band, even though I knew that that was not correct. Yeah, they do like to run a phallus, but... <laughs> but... It's, uh, you have no... Yeah, do you want to guess? There's no reason you should know. I feel like I feel like I want it to be like a really like you know what you can just tell me. Yeah, it's it's what I would consider a good band. So I didn't yeah, okay. I didn't just choose something I don't like. But <laughs> Blonde Red Blonde, but I, I have not heard this album. It's Blonde Redhead's new album, Sit Down for Dinner. Ah, okay. Um But I was just looking for a bio that seemed um you know, like a bio, <laughs> pretty like it was written by somebody at a record company. <laughs> yeah, like it means almost nothing. Yeah. Um. So as uh um and you know I feel like uh Mad Libs are hit and miss, but um already as wiggly as this tangy is is um something I'll I'll remember I think. Yeah, I tangy uh, is now how I'm gonna describe certain guitar tones. Mm, yeah like mm-hmm. real estate has like a tangy yeah you've heard of crunchy <laughs> tangy, tangy reverb crunchy guitar tones but get ready for tangy guitar tones yeah what what i'm considering tangy is like a guitar tone that i don't really like like it makes uh it does what um uh, for me, t- the tangy sound that I just made up is uh, kind of like an ASMR response, like a negative ASMR response for me. Oh, like um, oh, like it's like too tart almost, and you kind of you make a face at it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it, and for me, it's immediately like like it's that real estate guitar sound 
which there's also uh, there were some good there were some good bands that had that kind of almost beachy guitar yeah tone. really bright I'm imagining if they're in the recording studio recording this, you know, the producer's in the other room, and he's like, you're giving me Sunny D, and I need normal orange juice. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically, yeah. It's too tangy. Too tangy. Okay. (laughs) Alex, on that note, uh, anything you want to share with all our friends about Chumbawamba or yourself or anything else before we say goodbye? Uh... Uh, I mentioned it earlier, but I have a radio show called Strange Talk. Um, We talk about all things strange, weird, and paranormal. And on Halloween, sometimes we do Mad Libs. And yes, it takes exactly as long as it did this time. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you're into, you know, ghosts, aliens, conspiracy theories that aren't just horrible and racist like a lot of them are, then you should check that out. Um, It's Strange Talk on Radio Artifact. And if you're in Cincinnati, you can even hear it um, on the radio. Uh, all of our stuff is uh, Strange Talk Radio, so you can check it all out. We've got a website and Instagram and Facebook and the whole thing. The whole thing that everyone has to have for everything. And how many years back does the archive go? Oh, gosh. Uh, we started out doing it um, as an internet show. So there are countless years of lost episodes that were not recorded. They were just broadcast out into the internet and forgotten forever. But I think when I we when I started doing it on Radio Artifact was back in like twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. There's a lot of episodes. We're on episode uh eighty four comes out tomorrow. Awesome. So go check that out. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for being here, Alex. Yeah, thanks so much for uh letting me come on and uh getting out everything I have to say about Chumbawamba because I feel like I bring this up to a lot of people every time that song comes on. Well, you're a real tub thumper. May may your tubs always be thumping. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> hey, everyone. This is Burn Bridges. Thank you for listening to this episode of This Song Ruined My Life. If you like this podcast, I highly advise that you never, ever uh, record any podcasts uh, right after Daylight Savings Time. I was too sleepy to record a podcast. Sorry, I was so sleepy. If you still like this podcast anyways, you can let me know in the comments. You can subscribe and all that good stuff so I know that it's a podcast that is a podcast and not, not a podcast. And that way, there might be more podcasts, and there might be more podcasts, even if you don't want there to be any podcasts. Okay, have a nice whatever. that was loud enough.